This is Dynasty Portfolio Weekly, hosted by Scott Connor. Welcome back onto the trading floor for another episode of Dynasty Portfolio Weekly. And this week, we are going to be diving into some Dynasty psychology. It's going to be a couple things that I talk about in this episode. Uh, it's going to be a theme over the summer. There's always different things you can do during these downtimes where there is nothing really going on. We're all anticipating NFL free agency and the combine and the NFL draft. One of the things to remember is that you are playing this dynasty game against first and foremost, the other people in your dynasty league. We all know that the results can be random. There's a lot of variants. There's a lot of things that we can't control for that. We're never going to be able to get enough information to overcome. And one of the things that I remind myself of uh, is the thought of how many things going on in these players' lives, coaches' lives, things that are happening that we do not know that are directly impacting their performances on the field or the results that we get for our dynasty leagues that we don't even know of. We have no ability to assess, to measure, to look at historical data. It is just completely unknown. And we just take it for granted that we have all of the information and we have more information than ever, but we just assume that because we have all this data from the past, that it's perfectly predictable or correlative to what's going to happen in the future. And the reality is we don't know probably 80% of what actually goes into whether something happens or whether it doesn't. So just respecting that, that is a reason that we are here playing in a portfolio, right? There's a reason that we focus on team building and roster construction and trying to always increase the value of our team, regardless if that is outside of the perfect construction or alignment. It's always dependent on the time of the year and what do I need the assets for. And then the bigger picture is we play in a large portfolio for that reason. Being able to leverage the things that we can control and hedge our bets on some of the things that we can't. Hence, a large portfolio of different teams that are built structurally sound with good construction and a lot of value, but the players are different. The ranges of outcomes for our teams can be slightly different based on how they're built, but you're diversifying for a lot of that variance that we can't measure. So for today's show, what I'm going to talk about is the psychology. If we can get better at reading the opponents in our league, not so much some of the things that we can control and can't control. I think I've covered a lot of that on previous content that I've done on this show, on my podcast, on Trades in Five, etc. There's been a lot of talk about roster construction and team building. But we're going to dive into some psychology. and I'm just going to go through some basic things that I do. Not going to get super scientific in this episode, but there will be more science coming uh, talking about this topic. But basic psychology of how to gain information from your league mates and just different ways that you can get an edge and just figure out who you are playing with. You are trying to figure out, okay, how smart is the person that I'm playing with? Do they have a strategy? Are they using some sort of roster construction, some sort of war tool? Are they using trade calculators? Just trying to get free information because especially during this time of year, People may show their hand when they don't really know that they're showing their hand. So I'll give an example. So you're going through your leagues, and I do this quite often during this time of the year. I'll sit down on my phone or I'll sit down on my computer, 
And I'll just look at a league and I'll say, is there anything I can do here? I'll look at some of the players that I have. Maybe I've put them on the auto accept trade block already. I've talked about that in the past where you basically just update the nicknames on sleeper to what you would accept. And a lot of times you have to update those prices to a point where somebody else might go, wait a second. If I'm on the other end of that transaction, it might make sense for somebody to send me an offer. And I've gotten some deals done doing that. But the idea being, you're going through your league, you're looking at, okay, what players do I clearly know? I'd love to trade. I'd love to get a third for that player. I'd definitely love to get a fourth for that player because they're right there between whether I want to cut them or not. Definitely when I have to add in rookies or the waiver wire opens up or whatever, I'm going to be probably cutting some of these players. So you notice that on your rosters immediately. Man, there's some dead weight there. I wish I would have moved a couple of those players during the season, or I'm going to have to wait until after the draft to have a chance to move that player. But then you go, okay, what can I be proactive and do? And one thing that I think is very important about managing a portfolio of leagues, if you want to do it effectively, obviously it's team build, roster construction, focus on that. Those things are high level ideas that once you kind of understand it, once you understand how to apply something like the war tool, and then roster construct makes it a lot easier. You can run your team a lot smoother. You don't have to put as much time into actually figuring out, okay, what is X player worth in my league? Because I want to go get that player. Do that after you've built your portfolio. Then you start to balance the roster ship and your player shares. But once you've kind of gotten to that point where your team is already constructed the way that you want, you're looking for the little loose ends that you'd like to tie up. Some you can, some you can't. But probably what you want to do is you want to test your league on some of those players that you maybe have had trouble moving. You can't get the auto accept trade block price. But you also don't know for sure if somebody has seen that. I think that's one of the downfalls is you don't know if people have seen that. You don't know necessarily if they've actually seen that trade block or if they know for sure they could get them for that price, right? Like you've put something out. You don't know if the rest of the league has seen it. So you're like, okay, it's been out there for a couple weeks. I put Rashad White, James Cook. I'm going to use those examples again, right? Those two players. I put them out there. Nobody bit on the auto accept price. But I also don't know if what I talked about on the leverage episode, if I add something to them that I actually could move them. I haven't sent that out yet because all I did is put out the price. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually go ahead and propose some of these trades, it can be leverage, it can be anti-leverage with the goal, with the goal of not actually getting them to accept it. If they accept it, fine. But you're trying to propose deals that are on the margins enough to where what you're actually getting back is enough value where if you don't get the deal done in the range that you want or in the form that you want, that you at least get free information from them as to what their plan is. And that can be in a variety of ways. It can be in the form of a counteroffer, which is the number one thing you want to get outside of a deal being accepted. A counteroffer literally brackets your price and the person you're sending the deals to price. You now have a bracket. You know what you're trying to get. You know what they will accept. Now, sometimes that bracket can be extremely far apart. And you're sitting there going, all right, they're already way beyond what I would even consider. So it's almost really not a counteroffer, but it's information. It gives you the form and the structure of the deal. And this is something I'm not great at, but then taking that information and logging it somewhere, kind of having a thought, all right, I know this person likes to propose this type of deal back. And you might only get a couple responses. 
but it might be information where you say, okay, I now know this person is close enough on that player that they're willing to budge if I'm willing to throw in an extra third, if I'm willing to throw in an extra piece. I've figured out exactly what is important to them. And that's the psychology part. They don't even see that they're tipping their hand, but they are basically telling you, yeah, I have interest in James Cook or I have interest in Rashad White. Now, they would have never told you that because they wouldn't have sent that offer for your price. But they've confirmed it, either the player or the structure of the deal, they've confirmed it with the counter offer that they sent you. The second response might be a comment or a message. Uh, this is why I like the old MFL system where you can reply to the trade rejection with comments. Sleeper, it's a little more difficult, but you can turn on the messages to where you actually get a response via DM when somebody messages you or when somebody sends you a trade. So then they can reply easily with the DM right back. They may not send you a counter. They may leave the trade up, but regardless, they may send you a message because it pops right up for them if they also have those alerts on and they may give you some feedback, free information. And it might be something like not doing anything until the draft. And those are frustrating when it's basically not any real information. It's just a response saying, I'm not really interested. But then you might get others that might tip their hand on, hey, I like that player, but I want to see where they land. Or I'm interested in these picks, but I want to see this happen. Or I think I might be willing to sell that player, but I'm going to hold off for a little bit. So right there, you've gotten free information as to what direction is this manager going to go. And then the key is not necessarily logging it, because I know there's people out there that will keep journals and lists of what everybody in their league does. I've never been that way. You know, you can always go back and find it if it's something that you really want to find. But I think the big key is then going to their team, looking at their build. If you're in other leagues with some of the same people, I mean, being in so many leagues, I cross over with numerous people on three, four, five leagues, and then many others where it's two or three. And now that we have listener leagues with trades in five, and there's a lot of DD Heisman leagues, it's a lot of the same people. So you kind of understand their tendencies. And now you've gotten information as to not just maybe what players they like or not just what assets they like, but also the structure and the form of how they want to do things. And you can spot this stuff over time, seeing how they operate, you know, seeing deals they make with other people. But especially with newer people, that you're jumping into a league with a group of strangers. You've never seen anything that they do. You've never seen any moves that they make. And there's tools out there on different sites now where you can go and you can find trade history on people. You can look at who's in their portfolio. You can easily find who is in another manager's portfolio. Now, if they don't have a portfolio, it's probably not as valuable. But if there's somebody that you know is in 15, 20, 25 leagues, there's information that can be gleaned by looking them up, throwing in their sleeper name, figuring out what type of players they've preferred or who they have as hired roster players on their team, who they've traded away, but more importantly, the types of deals they've made. And that's the psychology part. It's getting ahead of, okay, how many strict portfolio players do I have in my league? How many players do I have that are just complete wild cards? Don't have a strategy. And those types of players may be the ones that favor certain players over process favor certain situations or just want to go get their guys over some sort of roster construction principle or team building principle. So I think it's just a reminder of use this time to your advantage. 
you may be frustrated. You may look at your league and say, man, I really wish I could sell some of those players that are just probably going to stick on my roster until they're not. And I want to clear the spots, but I mean, how frustrating is it when you have a roster full of players too good to cut, but not good enough that you can get anything for them when you trade them? Frustrating. So when you see those teams, especially, go see what else you can do. You may be like, I've looked at this roster six times since the end of the season, and I'm gridlocked. There's not much I can do. Maybe I'm waiting for something to happen. Maybe I have a bunch of rookie picks, and I'm not really sure what I'm going to need yet. So I'm waiting for stuff to happen. But send out some offers. It's not that you're sending out offers to not get deals done, but you're sending out offers just to fish for free information. And this is where, and I'll end the show with this, this is where if you have the time to really put into your portfolio, if you are able to kind of structure things to where, let's say you're in 20 leagues, if you can hit each one of those leagues once a week and just go through and send out a slew of these types of trades, they're not even fishing trades. They're not even like spam trades where I'm going to send everybody, you know, Gabe Davis for a third and see if I can sell him. You know, it's not even that. It's just sending out a mildly entertaining, well-crafted offer that you would want to accept. Obviously, you want to do it if you're sending it to them. With the goal being, you want to try to get some information as to where their mind is, their mindset. How are they playing? What is their plan? Forget about player names. Forget about whether they like this player or not. They may tell you that stuff. They might not. But you can also glean a lot from what is going to be their approach. What is going to be their higher level strategy? Once you start putting that together, maybe you get responses over a month period of time from five managers in your league. Now you have a pulse. Hey, that league probably has three teams that are not going to be super aggressive going in for certain assets. They kind of want to stick in the middle and see where things play out. That's a lot of dynasty managers now. Well, let me just wait and see what happens. If you have a league of nine, let's wait and see what happens. Maybe it's on you to go back and say, is there a way that I can now go to the extreme one way or the other? Because nine of the other managers in the league really aren't doing anything but sitting in the middle. So something to think about, this is going to be a topic that I cover every once in a while, is the psychology. Because I really truly think that Dynasty now, even though there's trade calculating sites and there's different content all over the place about how you should play, about player value, trade strategy, all that stuff, it comes down to you are facing off against 11 other human beings in your league or however many teams there are. Some people play in 10-teamers, 14-teamers, etc. But you are facing off against 11 other people. And it's jockeying with them in a game where the game theory and strategy is at its highest, especially if you run in communities like Trades in 5 and DD, you better bet you're going to run into a lot of players that are like that. This isn't your random league where you go, oh yeah, man, this league, I'm not even sure what a lot of the people are doing. Or at least what they're doing doesn't have any sort of resemblance to what I might be trying to do. So the faster you get a grip on that, the more success you're going to have. So with that... I'll sign off for the week. Check out everything at Destination Devi, DestinationDevi.com. Subscribe to the pod feeds, the YouTube channel, and there's merch available now on DestinationDevi.com. Uh, the upside down all gas hats, you can get those and much more. Check it out, DestinationDevi.com. And of course, you can join the community over there or on the Discord at Patreon.com backslash all gas. Be chill.